0: Hello, all. Welcome to the X millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for Seedsing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and with me here is the most heroic person I've ever known in my entire life, and that's the greatest other host on the other side of the Mississippi River. That's Ty Kulik. How are you today, Ty?
1: Hi, everybody. I'm doing good. I don't know that I've done anything heroic in my entire lifetime. I just kind of live my life day to day.
0: Well, that's uh, I'm going to talk to you about heroism today, Ty. And it's normally when I do these things that I don't tell you what the topic is, I'm going to tell you about a toy. But I'm not going to tell you about a toy this time. I'm going to tell you about a movie, specifically a movie series. because. Okay. I just got done reading a book, and it kind of talks about this. I actually read it a few years ago, but I was revisiting it the other day. And then I thought to myself, oh, what the hell? I'm going to sit back and watch this movie. And I was fascinated by the credits, and I'll get to all of that. But to start our story, Ty, I need to go – and this is a big film series of our lifetimes. I mean, really, really important. As a matter of fact, I would argue – in your lifetime, they've probably never done it right. And in my lifetime, they've only ever done it right one time.
1: Uh, okay.
0: <laughs> so I need to go back to the 1930s, specifically 1933. There were uh, two gentlemen that met in a high school in Cleveland named Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. And they were obsessed with science fiction. So they created this story. I believe um, Siegel was the writer. I think Shuster was the, uh, was the uh, illustrator. If I get that wrong, come at me, people. But they created this little comic called The Reign of the Superman. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what The Reign of the Superman was about. The titular character is a homeless man named Bill Dunn who is tricked by an evil scientist in consuming an experimental drug. The drug gives Dunn the powers of mind reading, mind control, and clairvoyance. He uses these powers (laughs) maliciously for profit and entertainment. When the drug le- wears off, he leaves him powerless and a vagrant once again. That was, quote unquote, the very first Superman story.
1: Sounds like uh, Limitless or Hancock. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> so they would go on, and this is before really comic books were a big thing. They would go on and kind of refine their Superman idea. They eventually would land on, oh, he was, uh, he had more powers or he's bulletproof or he's this. And finally, there was a little, uh, little comic called Action Comics. I was looking for stories. People can go because this is not about the comics, Superman. This is about the movie series, but you can, people can go and they can see, you know, all this stuff. But Siegel and Schuster went through all of these different publishers, all these different things, and they decided for this little action comics, you know, we'll write a Superman story. And the, around this time is when they decided he was an orphan from an alien planet and had all these powers and it went on in 1930 i believe it's 1938 action comics number 1 came out with a 12-page story about superman and it is to this day the most valuable comic ever known to mankind
1: is he holding up like a vw bug or something yep. in the picture of it yeah yep.
0: so thus what we know as superman was born he wasn't a bald dude with mind control who was uh, basically a bad guy and who that was, sounds better, actually. He <laughs> was a homeless dude. He was this all-American Boy Scout. He uh, Superman fought, I mean, it, again, through the 40s. He he was pure, utter, just American. As awesome as it is. As a matter of fact, again, I'm not talking about the comics, but there is a very famous comic called uh, Superman Red Sun, which was written, I believe, sometime in the 90s. And it imagined instead of him landing in Kansas, what if he landed in the Soviet Union? And you hmm. grew up to be, it's actually, I think it's a great story. But anyways,
1: so you're going to talk about the death of Superman comic book that uh, our brother had.
0: We're going to get to that. Uh, okay. <laughs> so as a matter of fact, Ty, the second half, I am going to blow your freaking mind on two <laughs> Superman movies we missed out on one. Okay. One, luckily we missed out on the other one. It's a damn shame. But what we got oh. instead was great. So, okay. Anyways, Superman was a big deal. Basically, invent... I mean, there's comic books before. Again, come at me, dorks. But it basically created that comic series. Eventually, Action Comics had Detective Comics, which was Batman. And then you get into Marvel Comics in the 1960s with Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, on and on and on. But a lot of people will look back at that Action Comics number 1, 1938, as the birth of the comic book industry. Superman was its biggest star. So... Mm -hmm. This is at a time where television is starting to become a little bit bigger. Movies are always a big thing. And they used to, you'll see like old timey movies where they'll have some real newsreel at the beginning, like, you know, date 1945. Mm-hmm. Uh, da, 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 da. A lot of times movies would have these little like short film, call them serials in front of them. And so you had in 1941 through 1943, you had these little animated film shorts of Superman. Now, at the time, these shorts would—most of them, I think, would be produced for a couple hundred bucks. These were produced for thousands of dollars. They were the most expensive shorts ever. People would go to the movies just to see these Superman shorts. That's how, huh. uh, that's how big it was.
1: That'd be like going now just to watch a preview. Yes. I, I, and then leaving.
0: That's exactly what it is. And then in 1951, with actor George Reeves, there was the first quote-unquote Superman movie called Superman and the Mole Men. Now,
1: <laughs> like Hans <Hans-Mulman? laughs> yeah.
0: I, now, what's important about this is, I mean, again, I didn't do as much research into the comics, but from what I do know, the early Superman comics as him stopping Nazis or stopping, you know, bank robbers or stopping <laughs> this and standing and smiling while they shot at him, there was no real villains to speak of there was no lex oh. Luthor or brainiac or dark side or general zod or any of this stuff those got developed later on especially things like dark side and all that stuff get developed into the in 1970s and beyond it was just superman was just this great dude that stopped bank robbers so i don't know if they really had anything as a matter of fact i don't even i'm sure lex Luthor luther was one of the first bad guys but i don't know where it came about this movie did spawn the TV show that also had George Reeves. And do you know anything about George Reeves?
1: No, I don't. I didn't even know there was a Superman TV show. I mean, I know obviously Smallville and stuff like that, but I had no idea. I don't know who George Reeves is. I had no idea they had a Superman show back then.
0: Well, George Reeves, uh, there was actually a movie that came out, God, maybe 10, 15 years ago called Hollywood Land. I think the only time Ben Affleck's been nominated for an acting Oscar. Hmm. He plays George Reeves in that movie. Uh, George Reeves' life took a very, very dark, sinister turn.
1: I've never seen Hollywood Land, but I heard that Hollywood Land is a crazy
0: movie. Yeah, yeah. So this is not going to be a sad, uh, well, there's going to be a lot of sadness as we talk about this. But there's this kind of, George Reeves starts this uh, concept of the curse of Superman, which we'll get Hmm. to later on here. So that's basically it. There's a couple of TV shows, a couple of little serials and stuff like that. uh, Superman's kind of a big deal. But nobody really was taking comic books, obviously, seriously. Nobody's making movies out of comic books. In the 1950s and 60s, you get these big epics, and then Hollywood changes (sighs) a little bit, and you get these movies like The Godfather or Easy Rider, or it's uh, more of an indie-type thing. There's no love for a big superhero movie. And I know I don't think I
1: don't think like especially our parents who were in their twenties when like Godfathers, I don't think they would have they I I don't think our mom and dad were pining to see a Superman movie.
0: No. And I've talked about this a lot, how pop culture usually only has a generation before it goes away. Like uh Warren Beatty did that Dick Tracy movie in the early nineties. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, this is great. You know, and Warren Beatty's like, I love Dick Tracy as a kid. Nobody my age really gave a damn about it.
1: I didn't know who Dick Tracy was. I, I know Dick Tracy from that movie, and I believe Madonna was in that movie yes. with him too. That's yes. all I know about that movie.
0: Which I, I'm gonna say this about that movie. I think that movie's actually really good. I think it's uh, a really good, it's a really well done movie, but it didn't make me want to run out and go watch Dick Tracy crap. Okay.
1: Isn't that kind of how they the way they filmed that movie is the way they did Sin City, right?
0: Uh, not exactly, but there is they, they enhanced the color palette to make yeah. it look more comic booky. So in 1973, Ilya Salkin convinced his father, Alexander Salkin, to buy the rights to Superman for film. And okay. they were the Salkins wanted to really, really make a, a really true good comic book movie you know we'll talk about this a little bit especially when we get to the second half but there's this concept people always point the the dawn of the superhero movies or the superhero blockbuster they'll usually point to the 1988 Batman movie or they'll point to Spider-Man the Toby Maguire Spider-Man or the first X-Men movie or the first Iron Man movie uh-huh When I talk about the dawn of this, this first Superman movie, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how the production of it, but it was a massive hit. It is still a beloved film. It is considered one of the gold standards of superhero movies, but it came out in 1978. Mm -hmm. The Batman movie didn't come out till 10 years later. The X-Men and Spider-Man movies didn't come out till 10 plus years after that. And Iron Man was almost, you know, seven, eight years after all of that. So this yeah. concept of a big superhero blockbuster, a lot of people might point to Superman, but I'm going to talk a bit about it. Superman was kind of a a weird unicorn in the movie. Okay. Now, have you seen this movie?
1: I have not seen any of the, his name is um, Christopher Reeves. Escaped. I've never seen any of the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. I've seen clips and, you know, I know all about the hairdo and everything, but I have not sat down. And watch any Christopher Reeve Superman movie from start to finish.
0: All of the Christopher Reeve movies are on HBO Max. And this is when I was reading this thing. I wanted to go back because I hadn't seen it in a while. And we were talking about, oh, would would our son like it? I sat down and watched it. It's a freaking outstanding movie.
1: (laughs) Is it? Is it super long, like all superhero movies? It's like
0: two and a half hours long.
1: Okay.
0: But this movie should not be as good as it is. Okay. You talk about, why, why
1: do you say that?
0: So you talk about, let's talk about these Marvel movies and everybody kind of comes down on that. I, we're recording this the week, the, the Thor love and thunder um preview uh-huh. came out.
1: Well, and Dr. Strange two comes out a week from yes. The, the, the day after this drops,
0: a lot of people kind of, they talk about the Marvel movies being the machine. They're very, very, you know, this is how you make a Marvel movie. This is how it happens. And, you get the clothes and fedoras type guys going, like, that's not real cinema. But you know what? I still sit down and watch a Marvel movie, and nine out of ten times, they're enjoyable. They're fun. Well,
1: I know it's not Marvel, but my wife and I last week just watched uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, and that was fun as hell. Yeah. I enjoyed myself. So,
0: you know, the- these are meant to make money, okay? They're not meant to make you like it's not i'm not sitting there watching moonlight okay where i'm like gonna sit and think about you know my it's a place great and, movie yes <laughs> yeah but again it's i think endgame's a great movie i think spider-man mm-hmm. no way home's a great movie yeah. it's uh spider-man no way home is still the best movie i saw in 2021
1: it's funny to me too that you say stuff like that too because i've heard these same people who trash marvel movies and blah 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 whatever and multiverse too much nonsense they all love everything everywhere all at once. Which I love that movie too. That's the best movie I've seen in 2022. Mm-hmm. But it's the same thing. It's just by A24 and an independent company and it's cool to say that you like everything everywhere all at once. I feel like it's become uncool to say you like Marvel movies, but I I enjoy Marvel movies.
0: So I'm going to go back to why Superman the movie should have never been as successful as it is yeah. cuz it's Our production. So 1973, the Salkins purchase of rights. And this is, I mean, you're talking about essentially this is an age where Disney doesn't look at Marvel or look at Lucasfilm or look at these things and say, okay, we're going to schedule the next five years. You're going to make this movie, this movie, this movie. This is the Salkins are literally two people, a father and son, sitting there going, okay, we're going to make a Superman movie. How are we going to do this? So they go out and they get all the rights in different places. And the big thing is, or they get money from different places. And the big thing is, is they got Warner Brothers. To be able to back them up as a distribution, but essentially it's these two people that are making this movie. Okay, so that's wild. They go out and do you know who Mario Puzo is?
1: Yes, he wrote The Godfather. I believe.
0: So he got hired by the Salkins to write the script for Superman and Superman Two. They were going to be back to. They were going to film them back to. Dope. Back.
1: That so, would have ruled.
0: Well, hold on. He <laughs> did. As a matter of fact, you watch Superman and Superman Two. It says story by Mario Puzo.
1: Okay. Now but is that like how David Lynch did the first Dune movie, but he doesn't want his name attached? No, no. His name on it?
0: No, no. Mario Puzo is very, very proud of what he did, and okay. he got All he right. got paid. So this is in the mid seventies. He got paid six hundred thousand dollars. Now, usually they say in um, in scripts in movie scripts, each page represents one minute. So uh. if you have a hundred page script, you're looking at probably a hundred a hundred minutes in the movie. Puzo's script for these two movies was over 500 pages long
1: oh my god that that's too long for (laughs) for two movies so
0: a lot of different writers come in and i know there's these like weird rules according to the writers guild you can only have like four listed writers this thing went through rewrites of at least you know six to ten different people but uh, and a lot of it like a lot of people said the thing and again mario puzo the godfather a Lot yeah. of people said they didn't like his script because it was too com it was too uh like bad comedy. Like, you know <laughs> really? Yeah. Dude's like a pretty lady walks by and Superman turns his head and then runs into a, a building or something. I mean <laughs> That's hilarious to
1: me. <laughs> so and somebody the- did that in the the recent Joker movie. He walks into yes. an ambulance door.
0: Yes. It, it makes no sense. Yeah. They have a writer. They paid him $600,000 going through rewrites. Now they're looking for actors and for directors. One of the first directors approached was George Lucas, who just came off American Graffiti and THX 1138, but he was committed to another film he was working on.
1: Star Wars? Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The next person they approached was Steven Spielberg, but they were like, let's see how good his Big Fish movie does before oh, we actually Jaws. talk to him.
1: That's a movie I watched recently. That movie. Rules. Oh, that's a great. Jaws. Movie. Jaws is fantastic.
0: So by the time Jaws comes out, they're like, the Salkins go to him. Like, will you do this? He's like, no, I've got this movie close encounters. I need to do instead.
1: He made the right choice. Yeah. I think personally.
0: So at the same time, while they're doing this, they don't have a director yet. Mind you, there's, they're hiring actors. Okay. They get uh Marlon Brando to play mm-hmm. jor Superman's dad on Krypton. And they pay him, Almost $4 million plus a percentage of the box office.
1: Good Lord. That's a lot of money.
0: And I think he's in the movie for 12 minutes.
1: (laughs) Wow. Okay.
0: Now, here's a... So a couple of things. Now, Marlon Brando has always been a problematic actor. Absolutely. Absolutely. So he had, uh, by this time, finally, as they get actors, they bring in Richard Donner, who had directed The Omen. He went on to direct uh, Lethal Weapon 1 and 2 yeah. before Mac and uh, Dennis take over the Lethal Weapon <laughs> series. But, you know, Richard Donner's a big time director, but this is still earlier in his career. Who He actually just passed away last year, too. But, oh, bummer. He, but Richard Donner, who's, so they have a good director, they've got Marlon Brando now. There's an interview Richard Donner did years ago where they talked about like Marlon Brando went to him and said, I think Jorel should be a green suitcase or a bagel that talks to Superman.
1: What? Yes. Like for real? Yes. A bagel? A green bagel?
0: Yes. He only said that because he didn't want to be on set. And so, or he didn't want to, I'm by sorry, he did.
1: His career when he was kind of thick.
0: Yes. Yes. So you okay, go watch right. Superman, the movie, and he's he's getting bigger. But, yeah, um, yeah. The reason he said that is he didn't want to memorize his lines. So Donner made a deal that he didn't have to memorize his lines. So he would put cue cards all over the set during Brando's scenes Good for Lord. him to walk around and be able to do it. Again, problematic. The next person they signed was uh, the person who played Lex Luthor, who was Gene Hackman. Okay. And he got paid. I didn't write in my notes, but it was like 3 or $4 million to do it. Again, Hackman has won an Oscar. And we talk about him in the Royal Tenenbaums. I I guarantee you, you watch Superman, the movie. He's the definitive Lex Luthor.
1: Okay. And not Jesse Eisenberg. uh,
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) So they still don't have a Superman, but they've got Brando. They've got Richard Donner Mario Puzo's written this. I mean, you're talking about a lot of big names. So they approached Robert Redford, but he wanted too much money. And they're like, we don't have that much money. Burt Reynolds turned down the role. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone was interested, but they didn't hire him. Paul Newman was given the choice to play any role in the movie. He did not. He decided to turn it down. He didn't want to do it. So finally, the casting director brought up this unknown actor, Christopher Reeve. And now, also at the same time, both Neil Diamond and Arnold Schwarzenegger are trying to play for the role.
1: (laughs) Neil Diamond? (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) What? (laughs) Christopher Walken, Nick Nolte, they also... Charles Bronson was approached. Warren Beatty was offered the role. He turned it down. So finally, they're like, look, this movie's going out of control. We got it. We'll bring in this this nobody, this no-name. They only paid him $250,000. And again, he's playing damn Superman. (laughs) He's Um,
1: playing the title character, and he got paid whatever. I can't do the math, but... That much less yes. Hackman and Brando?
0: Yes. Oh, so Good Lord. even more so. The concern the Salkins had, because Donna really wanted Reeb, the concerns that the Salkins had was he wasn't big enough. The deal you said
1: was, that uh that what's his face? Um Charles Bronson was a choice. Yes. He was like five feet tall. Mm-hmm.
0: But he was a name. They could put that name on a marquee and they can't do that. All it with I know
1: Charles Bronson from is when they talk <laughs> about Bronson, Missouri and the Simpsons, and everybody looks like him, and they the mom and the kid have a fight over cookies or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. No dice. <laughs> yeah, no to the mom. Hilarious. Anyway.
0: So the deal was Christopher Reeve had to bulk up. And so they hired David Prowse, who was a very famous bodybuilder and also famously Darth Vader, everything but the oh. voice. To work out with Christopher Reeve. And he actually gained like 20 pounds of muscle and stuff. And again, people watch that first Superman movie. Even the critics after it came out widely praised Christopher Reeve. Saying in a movie with Gene Hackman, Ned Beatty, Marlon Brando, he is far and away. I mean, he is Superman. Part of the reason the movies don't work in the future is no one's been able to capture it quite like Christopher Reeve captured it.
1: Who played Lois Lane in those? Margot Kidder. Okay. Yeah. She kind of went nuts, right? Yes. And Christopher okay. Reed
0: famously had a terrible accident in his 40s <laughs> yeah. to be. So, again, this whole Superman curse. Yeah. You go, here's the funny thing though. You go watch the first Superman movie, and it's got the, the famous John Williams score at the beginning. It's got the famous, like, the credits are flying in. I mean, the tagline for the movie is, You will believe a man can fly. I mean, it was. So cutting edge for its time, they a lot of money went in this movie. You can see it. The mm-hmm. first credited person in the credits is Marlon Brando.
1: He said he was in it for twelve minutes.
0: The second credited person is Gene Hackman. Then it so says who's
1: going by who they paid.
0: Yeah, and then it says a Richard Donner film, and then the Superman logo comes up, and then Christopher Reeve is credited.
1: Christopher Reeve played the title character, and he was <laughs> fifth billed. Yes, the movie. Yes, that's. Could you imagine if (laughs) Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr. was fifth build?
0: Oh, if what it would be, it would be like they would have uh, Jeff Bridges first, and then and then Terrence Howard. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, and the Iron Man logo, and then Tony Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. (laughs)
0: So, you know, the beginning of Superman starts off on a Krypton with the trial of General Zod and his two, you know, lieutenants, and they get sent off to the Phantom Zone. Terrence Stamp, who was a big time. And that's the other thing. You look at the cast of Superman, Jackie Cooper is, uh, he plays us, or not Jackie Cooper. Uh, I think, no, I think it is Jackie Cooper. Hold on a second. These are
1: all names I know too. Like, I don't know of them, but I know their names.
0: Jackie Cooper plays Perry White, who's the newspaper guy. Glenn Ford plays Jonathan Kent, his Earth dad. These names, uh, who is it? Uh, Maria Schell is in it. Uh, there's all these older actors who were massive, like they, they won Oscars or were nominated for Oscars in this quote unquote superhero movie. The way it's shot, the movie is basically in three parts. There's a part in Krypton before it, or when it blows up. Then there's the part when Superman's growing up in Smallville, Kansas. And then there's a part in Metropolis. And it is shot like a big, as somebody said, like a David Lean epic film. It is shot very big and sweeping and all this stuff. Now, I go back, Ty, that they were filming these movies back to back. Okay.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yes. Yes. So that's a big part of the story because the first movie starts off with generals on and people getting imprisoned and going away. And then you never see them again. Well, they're the main bad guys in the second movie. And there's something that happens okay. in the first movie that releases them. Anyways, all this stuff. And I, Superman two, I think when we did our 10 best superhero movies ever, it was like number two or three for me. Superman two <laughs> yeah. is an amazing, amazing film. And granted there is, some dumb things like in the first Superman movie, he flies the earth backwards to uh, um, well, that's
1: one of his powers,
0: yeah, it is now. And
1: turn back time.
0: Originally, the way the script read is at the end of Superman one, the Kryptonians, General Zod, and the other ones were going to come to Earth and they blow the entire Earth up, and that's how the first movie ended.
1: Oh, damn, that would have been heavy stuff, man. Well,
0: the production <laughs> on Superman was so chaotic because. They were dealing with rewriting the script constantly. Marlon Brando's an insane human being. Um, you've got. Was. Was yeah, an insane. Yeah. He's
1: not with us. I assume he's not with
0: us. No, he's not. No, he's, he's long <laughs> gone. But there's Richard Donner and the Salkins did not get along. Even John Williams, who scored the movie, could not deal with the Salkins. He's like, the, everybody hated everybody on this movie, except the actors all got along. Gene Hackman and Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, all of them. They, they got along.
1: So it sounds miserable. Oh,
0: it was terrible. They didn't know if they were going to be able to finish the movie. And they had filmed about 90 percent of Superman and about 75 percent of Superman, Two When the Salkins fired Richard Donner,
1: why would you fire somebody? You have 90 percent of a movie done and three quarters of a movie done. Why would you fire the director?
0: Because nobody was getting along. So, it's not
1: the director's fault.
0: They want to just finish the first one. Donner does finish the first one. But they bring in another guy, another director named Richard Lester, who the Salkins had worked with before. He had made The Three Musketeers and then the sequel called The Four Musketeers. Richard Lester was also known as the guy who uh, he directed the movie A Hard Dates Night and uh, Help. So he directed yeah. the, <laughs> another really well-known guy.
1: Uh, they're Benny Hill movies, though, the Beatles yes, movies. Yes, yeah. uh.
0: That's very important because Richard Donner, he's coming off a movie like The Omen. He's a a bit in making this big sweeping movie. Richard Lester comes off these Beatles films. Very different style. Yeah. So after they fire Donner, they release Superman. The movie does gangbusters. uh, It makes the equivalent of like $800 million or something. It's a huge, huge movie. And so immediately they go to finish Superman 2, which again, this is where we're going to end this first half is talking about this is a movie that three quarters of it is done. Yeah. But Richard Lester doesn't like the way Donner directed it. So he reshoots a bunch of it and makes it a little bit more slapsticky. That's crazy. Now (laughs) to be fair, Superman two is an incredible film and there are some cringeworthy things in it, but because they had been filming these movies you already had Christopher Reeve in character. Brando wasn't in this one. Gene Hackman was already in character. The actors kind of, you hear him talk about it, especially Gene Hackman. Lester would tell him something and he'd be like, yeah, that's not what my character would do. But <laughs> y- you can see some of the side characters. There's some weird, stupid things that happen. But here's the big thing. There's one particular scene where Lois Lane and a Superman are at the Fortress of Solitude. Superman's you know, home up in the, no- up in the Arctic. They say if you watch this scene, Margot Kidder, in the span of two minutes, has four different hairstyles and two Whoa. different hair colors. <laughs> Whoa,
1: that's awesome.
0: Because <laughs> it was so choppy. <laughs> and even to the point of they could say you watch the first Superman, you can see Christopher Reeve, he's bigger. But they're also filming these movies at the same time. They have different constraints due to I mean, Gene Hackman's a big star. So yeah. they have all these different constraints things going on. So Christopher Reeve is actually different sizes during Superman 2, because a lot of it was filmed when he was smaller, but then once he got bigger, some of his it film, it's really kind of a mess and amazing it's such a good movie.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: But it's a good movie because yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> the- You don't have to justify it. Most people think it's I've just never seen it.
0: Yeah, no, no, you should. So and it, it makes a boatload of money and everybody loves it. It's what it's why it's like those, uh, it's like Godfather Two, empire strikes back. It's a lot of people yeah. are like the sequels better than the original type one. Okay. Everything's happy. Everything's great. Superman is just making like a, a crap load of money. And then the second half time I'm going to tell you about Richard Pryor.
1: <laughs> I knew he was in one. I just didn't, didn't remember
0: Kevin Smith. Okay. Nicholas cage.
1: I've heard about the Nicolas Cage stuff.
0: And George Miller.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs>
0: Hello, all this is R.D., and I want to take a minute here just to talk to you about how you can support this great podcast, the X millennial Man podcast, all the work we do on Seedsing.com, and especially all the hard work that Ty does bringing you the sports knowledge and the pop culture knowledge that you just so deeply want, and how you can support me bringing you all the political knowledge that you definitely do not want. We have a Patreon. You can go to patreon.com and look up the X millennial Man podcast. And for just five bucks a month, guys, you are going to continue to be able to give you all this great content, give you the things that we are also craving that we know we need. And then in addition to that, we're going to be launching a Patreon-only podcast called the X millennial Man Political Report, where we're going to go through kind of more of a deep dive on my personal thoughts and other people's thoughts on what's going on politically around our country. That way we can keep the X millennial Man as your place where you're going to go to find out all the most important things. Guys, we created this, Ty and I did, because me being from Generation X and he being a millennial, honestly, I was tired of hearing about Citizen Kane's The Greatest Movie Ever. It's a good movie, don't get me wrong, but we got, kind of got tired of, wait, nothing since Citizen Kane can be better? I mean, come on, Back to the Future is way better. To some of us, Fast and the Furious movies are way better. This is a place where we can talk about that stuff and where you're going to get that, again, not opinion, true fact of what is the greatest Ever when it comes to music, sports, politics, all that stuff is seedsing.com and the X Millennial Man podcast. So come on over to Patreon. Five bucks a month is all it is. And hey, if there's something more you need from that, come hit us up. Tell us. You need t-shirts, we can give you t-shirts. You need handshakes, maybe we can give you that. But come on over to Patreon, the X Millennial Man Podcast, and now I'm gonna get you back to the conversation. Okay, Ty, we left with Superman proving that superhero movies can make it. At least one's called Superman can make it. It's a big deal. Making tons of money. This is at an era too where we're sequel happy. We're on to Rocky Three by now. Where I mean, hell, there was a sequel to Saturday Night Fever. Uh, there's, uh, we're into Empire Strikes Back territory. There's, the idea is, it's studios are looking for the series, the serial movies because they just write themselves. Problem is, everybody's their contracts are done. They were all signed for uh, Superman One and Superman Two they want to make a Superman three. So Christopher Reeve is like, you're going to pay me. Margot Kidder's is like, you're going to pay me. Gene Hackman's like, I've got other movies to do
1: as and, well. They should.
0: Yeah. They do end up the Salkins do green light. Superman three comes out in 1983 and Richard Lester. He now has full control. He's not just recutting Richard Donner's film. So we get to see what Richard Lester really can do with a Superman movie. Now, It's an awful movie. It does terrible in the box office. Again, there's no Gene Hackman, so there's no Lex Luthor. Uh, Christopher Reeve, he is Superman. He does his all. They hire Richard Pryor. Now, Uh Richard Pryor was known to have issues on set. Richard Pryor was supposed to play the lead in um, Blazing Saddles. Yep. (laughs) uh, It
1: would have been great, but the guy they got to play the lead was great. No, he was.
0: Now, Richard Pryor supposedly didn't have any issues on Superman 3. It just wasn't a great movie because it was done by Richard Lester. Now, remember when I told you about how the original Puzo script had this weird slapstick comedy in it? Uh Uh-huh. So the opening five minutes of Superman 3, you see this hot woman with a tight dress come walking down the street, and some dude turns his head and walks right into a building. And oh. and then he when he walks into the building hits another guy who hits a group of people sitting in phone booths and all the phone booths fall over like dominoes.
1: So he went full Benny Hill yes. with with this one. Okay.
0: Yes. <laughs> so
1: and it's, it's 8 days a night in help was really coming to the fore.
0: Yeah. Superman the movie, you have his story, you have his, you know, the origin story, all that stuff and then Lex Luthor who which is amazing, yeah, you know, one day I'll go into Lex Luthor doesn't have superpowers. Okay? Yeah. He's uh, just a rich dude. That's all he is. And he's the greatest villain that, I mean, in almost any.
1: He's the Batman. He's a bat. He's like Batman, but a villain. Yes. Because Batman doesn't have superpowers either. He's just rich and smart.
0: You have no Lex Luthor. And something that's really important to know is, okay, Superman doesn't have quite the the villains gallery that a Spider-Man or a Batman has. He's got Lex Luthor. But then the next one, a lot of people point to is this villain called Brainiac. Brainiac is like this there's, – there's a lot of different versions, but the one most people would know, he's almost like a robot or a cyborg okay. who, who it's – I would often say that is Superman's probably second greatest villain. There's also General Zod. So they've done those two big ones. You figure the third one, they're going to do Brainiac. No – It's some guy that buys the Daily Planet newspaper, turns it into a tabloid. They create – let's see. Richard Pryor is a computer hacker, which you may remember the scene from Office Space where he uh, talks – but Peter talks about how they're just taking a little bit of money. They're just taking the fraction.
1: Absolutely, like an eighth of a penny.
0: Yes. That came from Superman 3.
1: Oh, for real? Yes. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yes hilarious
0: and kind of one of the whole central plots is that they create this black kryptonite richard Pryor and robert wagner who play the bad guys that splits superman in two there's a bad superman and a good superman and oh it's like that, uh
1: spider-man and venom
0: yes but it first starts off with superman just being bad but he's more of just an ass and sure. one of the things he does is he there's a whole like montage where he goes around the world and he pushes the leaning tower of pizza up to its norm. Uh, so it's not leaning. And then he goes to blow out the Olympic flame. Hilarious. That's <laughs> hilarious. To
1: me. So how stupid. It is. That's why. Yeah. It's so hilarious
0: to me. And the movie ends with Superman. The very like last scene of the movie is him going back to the tower of pizza and leaning it again.
1: <laughs> nice. Awesome. That's so. That seems like something they would joke about on the Onion or the Simpsons or something like that. Yes,
0: it uh, doesn't do well at the box office. Now, obviously, at the same time, the Salkins had already put together a uh, Supergirl movie with Helen Slater playing Supergirl, and who's that? It's uh, Helen Slater. God, I what? What else has she been in? Hold
1: on a second.
0: It'd be one of those people that if I showed you a picture of her, you would know who she is. But yeah, Ruthless People. She's in City Slickers.
1: I've seen both of those movies.
0: Yeah. So again, one of those people, if, if you saw her, yeah, you would know. Sure. Well, Christopher Reeve didn't want to appear in it. And there's, again, a lot of these people. Everybody knows Superman. They don't know Supergirl quite as well. The movie just does terrible.
1: Oh, they made it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and released it?
0: Yeah, yeah. It came out. Supergirl oh, wow. came out in 83, I think. Um, 84. Superman okay. 3 We're came right out in 83. 3, yeah, wow. So by this time, the Salkins, they don't have any more money to do it, but people think the Super... Where did all the money go from what they made the first two movies? Uh, it's, I mean, towards whatever they're doing, but there was a, a little startup uh, studio going around uh, called Canon Films.
1: <laughs> we talk about Canon Films a lot. Yes. So, so does the podcast, How Did This Get Made? Yes. Well.
0: <laughs> Canon bought the rights to Superman for $5 million.
1: Jeez. that's so cheap yes compar- comparative and in
0: 1987 they released superman for the quest for peace now unfortunately we can't we cannot do a uh we can't show people
1: uh-huh. we can
0: only tell people but and christopher reeve by all accounts was a great man a great human being he was a very very big liberal and he was really uh-huh. but you know what actors shouldn't always be determining what Actors should be writers and directors if that's not what they're doing. But, Chris, Christopher, Christopher Reeve, who got paid finally, I think he got $6 million for this movie, he was really concerned about the buildup of nuclear weapons. And okay. he wanted this movie because it's called The Quest for Peace about Superman getting rid of all nuclear weapons. And, okay. Not only is the movie stupid, because the bad guy <laughs> is somebody called Nuclear Man, who is – I can't – like, he doesn't even have a reference page on Wikipedia. It was some known oh, – Mark wow. Pillow was his name. He, huh. The dude is not good. The effects in this movie are awful. Sure. And, and you're just typical, like, canon films type thing. Uh, even Gene Hackman came back to do this movie. Really? My favorite, though, is, I got to say, is John Cryer. Is in this movie, and he plays Lenny Luther, Lex Luther's son. What
1: <laughs> was this like? John Cryer's first role or something? It or? must
0: have been early in his career. I mean, he was. I want to say this is probably after Pretty in Pink.
1: This is clearly all made up, though. Like this stuff is not not. No canon as they say with this stuff.
0: No, no, yeah, no. This it is widely considered a terrible terrible film. Uh people go to YouTube and Google Superman Nuclear Man fight over New York. It is so incredibly terrible. I mean, nice. and it's not a product product of its time. I mean, this is a time yeah. when Aliens is coming out and so, again okay. Return of the Jedi and these big movies Terminator. You know, Terminator was <laughs> made dirt cheap and yeah. it looks great. This movie is terrible.
1: Looks awesome. Okay, so that's I'm gonna it. Check out that fight scene, though. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. So that's it. That's that's it for the Christopher Reeve movies. That's it for Superman. The very next year, Tim Burton's Batman comes out, and this concept so of just these campy oh. superhero movies is done. It's dead. There's no way it could do. It. So you talked at the beginning about our brother Seth having this a comic book called The Death of Superman. Uh huh. Sold gangbusters. I think it's one it of the best-selling comic books uh-huh. ever. It's huge. And now you have Batman Returns has come out. Things are looking pretty good. It's at this time a certain gentleman by the name of John Peters appears, okay? Okay. John Peters is a Hollywood producer. He's produced some of the biggest movies ever known to mankind. Okay. Okay. He he started his career, he was a hairdresser, in New York, as a matter of in the 1970s. As a matter of fact, what he did is he dyed women's pubic hair.
1: Oh, Okay. <laughs> and,
0: and then he opened up a salon in Beverly Hills and did a wig for Barbara Streisand. And he and Barbara Streisand became an item. Uh, never married. He's been married, I think, four or five times. As a matter of fact, his last marriage was to Pamela Anderson. It lasted less oh. than a year. Okay. Uh, he is played by Bradley Cooper in the movie Licorice Pizza.
1: Still haven't seen that, yeah. which I want to see.
0: So, anyways, John Peters comes in and. Kevin Smith, who's fresh off Clerks around this time—actually, I want to say this is pre-Dogma, but it might be after Mallrats—was approached by John Peters to write a screenplay for Superman. It's a screenplay called Superman
1: Lives. And And Kevin Smith is a humongous comic book fan for people that don't know.
0: Yeah, so he writes this, and Brainiac, as I said, that's a bad guy in this one. And it's going to deal with Superman dying and then coming back to life. Now— Here's a, Kevin Smith also wrote in there who he thought should be playing these roles. So okay. his, uh, his preferential choice for Superman, Clark Kent, was Ben Affleck. All right. Jack Nicholson as Lex Luthor. Okay. Jason Lee as Brainiac. And Jason Mewes as Jimmy Olsen.
1: Really? Yes. So he was going to make one of his typical movies. That <laughs> yeah. Exactly. yes. Yeah. Just but just have Superman.
0: But this, yeah, this is going to be all big budget. So he turned the script in and Peters said, told Kevin Smith, I don't want Superman to fly. He's going to look like an overgrown Boy Scout. I don't want that. Also, he needs to fight a giant spider at the end, which we've talked about this many times. That's what yeah. John Peters does. Uh, Peters made Smith write a extra scene, having Brainiac fight a polar bear. What? Uh, he wanted <laughs> Smith to include a space dog. For Brainiac, because it would be good for toys. And then he wanted Brainiac to have a robot assistant, and he wanted to be voiced by this gay actor because, to quote John Peters, he wanted this character to be a gay R2-D2 with an attitude.
1: Oh, okay. Did he tell somebody to (laughs) rostify him by 75% also? Pretty much. (laughs) Good Lord.
0: And then Robert Rodriguez was brought in to direct, but then he turned it down to do do the faculty. Also, rumor is Robert Rodriguez turned it down because he liked uh, Smith's original script, but he didn't like all these rewrites.
1: Smith's original script sounds probably, it was probably way better than yeah. what the rewrites
0: were. So they brought in Tim Burton to direct. Okay. And Tim Burton started to do a lot of rewrites. And at the end, even Kevin Smith says here, I'm reading all this from Wikipedia. Kevin Smith says, who are you going to choose? At the, if you're Warner Brothers, who are you going to choose? You're going to choose a guy that made Clerks, or are going to choose a guy that made you a billion dollars off Batman? Uh-huh.
1: Yep, makes sense.
0: So Smith was kind of out of it, and it was at this time that Burton, and there again, there was a lot of different people they were looking. They wanted a big star for Superman, obviously. He wanted, uh, not Smith, uh, Tim Burton wanted Nicolas Cage. And again, go Google, Nicolas Cage, Superman lives. He's got this glorious, long, mulleted hair. It yeah. is, um, and again, this movie was days away from production. They were doing costume fittings. They had, uh, they had uh, set designs and character designs. Famously producer Peters would bring kids in to look at the character designs and pick out their favorite ones. <laughs> Cause he wanted to see what toys would sell the best.
1: Okay. Well, Let's isn't Nicholas Cage also like a humongous, humongous Superman guy? Yes, he did is. He named his kid Callan? Yes, he did. Okay. Uh,
0: Kevin Smith was approached to play Lex Luthor christopher walken was going to play brainiac or also they looked at jim carrey and gary oldman there was a uh, chris rock was going to play uh jimmy olsen michael oh. keaton was going to have some unknown role in it nobody knows if maybe it was batman or not yeah but again just a mess of a movie nothing worked john Peters is overly involved and so that movie fell apart
1: man that could have been great yeah that could have saved you know resaved the franchise like uh after X-Men 3 was so bad and they did, you know, they redid it with the new class and everything. Yeah. That could, this could have saved it.
0: Yes. Again, it's, it's just nowhere. And in the, in the intervening years, a lot of people took a, took a shot at Superman. A lot of them were trying to shoo in this death of Superman thing. But you had a Superman Flyby, which was a script written by J.J. Abrams. Uh, you mm. had Batman vs. Superman Asylum, so it's going to be the first Batman v. Superman movie. The interesting thing about that, that was around 2004, is the person that was being looked at to play um, Batman was Christian Bale. Huh. Who okay. literally played <laughs> Batman a year later.
1: <laughs> yeah. did a great job of it. Um, yeah. um,
0: Darren Aronofsky was working on a Batman movie at that same time. There was talk of him yeah. coming in to do this one.
1: That would have been trippy as hell if Darren Aronofsky would have done Yes.
0: It. And like I said, there was a Superman flyby, JJ Abrams. They did get the Superman Returns movie directed by Brian Syner. Um Ooh. <laughs> uh. and which look, I'll say this about Superman Returns. The movie's got a great opening. You could tell the people in it really, really liked it. It just was a boring movie. Plus, it makes out Superman to be a deadbeat dad. Who played was
1: was it Brandon Ralph? Yeah okay i couldn't remember who it was so i don't want to talk about the dean kane show because dean kane is a freaking monster no
0: no i'm only that's i'm only talking about movies so okay we obviously got the the Zack snyder man of steel then batman v superman then justice league then Zack snyder's justice league and i i've said before any of them still yeah i've said before i will defend henry cavill in that role i think he's fine i think he's done well now that HBO and Warner Brothers has been sold to Discovery, at and just sold it, they've come out and they've said they're basically going to restart it all. They're, okay, It's going to be Robert Pattinson's Batman, then they're going to have their own little Superman. At one time, as a matter of fact, Will Smith was considered for Superman. Oh,
1: not anymore.
0: But I want to end <clears> this That cool, though.
1: Yes. They should do a non-white person as one of these superheroes yeah. for once in their life.
0: Well, Ty, I'm going to end this with a little movie called Justice League Mortal.
1: Okay, I've never heard of that.
0: So Justice League Mortal is one of the most famous what-if movies, and they were literally days away from starting production on this. And then the writer's strike hit.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So I think this was 2007 or something like that. Yeah,
1: that sounds right. So
0: Justice League Mortal, this is before the Avengers, okay? This was a movie that basically the plot, the movie starts off at a funeral and all the superheroes are there and it's one of their own. And then the movie's told in flashback that leads up to whoever died. Now, in this movie, I mean, this is who was cast again. They were ready to do this movie and uh, kind of the storyline was Talia Al Ghul, who had been dating Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Found out Batman had a file on every single one of the superheroes, like, in their weaknesses. And so she steals it, works with Maxwell Lord to basically expose each superhero's weakness to kill them all. Okay. So you had... Were they
1: gonna, uh, hold on. Were they going to bring back Mary Marianne Cotillard to play?
0: No, 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 no. This is even before that. That's oh, even okay, before right. that. So they had DJ Cortana was cast as Superman, who he ended up using the Shazam movie later. Oh, okay. Army Hammer was Batman.
1: Oh, oh no. <laughs> Get that creep out of here.
0: Common was going to be the Green Lantern. Okay. Adam Brody was going to be Barry Allen.
1: Hey, he was in Shazam also.
0: Maxwell Lord was going to be played by Jay Baruchel.
1: Oh, I like him.
0: <laughs> Anton Yelich was going to play Wally West, the the Rest kid Flash. Peace. Yeah.
1: Yep.
0: Big actors. George Miller was directing it. Oh, and helping to uh-huh. write it it was going to be a darker i mean there was production there was um was it a storyboards made up of like superman and wonder woman fighting and oh. batman eventually like breaks maxwell lord's neck so this whole batman never kills or whatever and whoa it, but so there was all this like super cool i mean incredible stuff Big-time actors signed on for this. It was going to be, I mean, like, a huge, huge, huge movie. As a matter of fact, a lot of people think some of the production design went over to Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, really? And all this big stuff. But there was also weird crap, too. Like, at one point, the Flash and his wife are having sex, and the Flash, like, phases through her. Oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes uh, that's that's one of my problem with superhero movies now, and I even said this when we watched uh, No Way Home. Is like there needs to be stuff that needs to be cut. Yes. that doesn't belong in a movie like that.
0: No, no. And look, you're talking about this was in pre-production, okay? Yeah. And there were a lot of reasons. Like I said, the the writer strike had happened, and the another thing that kind of killed this movie, honestly, was the Dark Knight.
1: People a good movie though. Yeah,
0: and that's what I'm saying. People are like are people going to really want to see a different Batman?
1: I would. <laughs> I would watch. I'll tell you, that's one of the things, and I I know you said this about Ben Affleck playing Batman, and I, I saw it with Robert Pattinson. I like how vicious he is as Batman. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, Batman never kills, but Batman sure beats the hell out of people, so I, I would have seen something like that.
0: Yeah, it says here it was the writer's strike of, of 2007, basically, is what stopped the production of it. And okay. it, it was, I mean, again... This wasn't one of these what-if type movies like, oh, that'd be cool if they do that. I remember people were talking about The Watchmen. and At one point, Tom Cruise was supposed to play um, Osmandius, and huh. uh, Kate Winslet was supposed to play Silk Spectre. It wasn't like one of these dream projects. This was really there. And this yeah. was a group of actors, while all of them might have not been super well-known, they were on their ways to having pretty big careers, pretty well-known. And then you have George Miller doing yeah. this movie. I would have seen it, yeah.
1: And yeah. I don't watch DC movies usually.
0: No, and instead we get—I mean, you know—want to finish off the kind of evolution of uh, of the character Superman. He is in a, a cameo at the end of uh, not his head, just his body at the end of Shazam, and he is in silhouette to the very last episode of Peacemaker. So, oh, is he? Yeah, I just when,
1: remember Jason Momoa because all the
0: Yeah, yeah, he and Wonder Woman are both in <laughs> silhouette, but they have Ezra oh, okay. Miller, who's kind of a problem now. Um, Yeah. And Jason Momoa actually filmed scenes for that. Okay, So that's it, Ty. That is the story of the Superman movie franchise, going from before (laughs) you were born to movies that could have defined the genre into a lot of utter insane crap and just kind of, you take the greatest superhero and the biggest thing people complain about him is you just can't make an interesting movie with him anymore.
1: Yeah, and like the Kevin Smith thing sounds incredible and i i am a tim burton fan even though i don't think his movies lately have been that good so i would have really like to see that but i also think somebody like nicholas cage while it might not have been very good it would have been intriguing as hell yeah to watch him play superman but i'm curious from your perspective because you have seen all these and you mm-hmm. do watch dc movies do you prefer christopher reeve than or, or christopher reeve or Henry Cavill or Brandon Routh, like who is your your Superman? I know our parents would say Christopher Reeve, but no, it's
0: it's Christopher Reeve, and it's the reason why. So this is what I've always said. I should have said this at the top. My wife does not care to watch. She's never seen them. The Zack Snyder Superman, Superman, because to quote her, she says, "I don't want to see Christopher Nolan Superman." Christopher Nolan, because Christopher Nolan is the producer on all those movies, even if Zack Snyder directs them. Christopher Nolan. He works for Batman. He works for that moody thing. Superman is supposed to, the reason why Christopher Reeve does such a good job is it's two characters. It's Superman and Clark Kent. Everybody makes a joke yeah. about the glasses. Like, uh-huh. oh, he just takes his glasses off. But you really – you watch – he plays – Christopher Reed plays two different characters. You can okay. honestly understand how nobody would know the hell that Clark Kent is, is Superman because he's okay. kind of a dork. He's kind of a, a down-on-his-luck kind of – Dude. And uh-huh. that works because look, it's still a comic book. Superman is a is an alien that is super powerful. Yeah. And I know the recent movie, Suicide Squad, and all that stuff are like, what if Superman went crazy and decided to destroy the Earth? And there's a lot of stories, like I told you about that Red Sun comic book, what if he was yeah. with the Soviets, or you keep hearing these, well, what if Superman's bad? That's not the point. I go all the way back to the beginning. He's supposed to be this great, nice guy. Yeah. And the reason okay. why he's inspiring, the reason why he's this Superman is because he's incorruptible, where these right. other guys may be corruptible. Now, I know there's more drama in Superman and Batman fighting. And look, I play those Injustice video games where Superman goes bat nuts insane and you know enslaves yeah. everyone. I understand those are good stories, but if I'm going to sit down for two, two and a half hours – We've seen that. We've seen the... the so that's why Christopher Reeve, he's the only one to do it as an inspiration. Okay. And look, they're all great. I mean, I didn't even tell this story, but Superman 2 got in trouble from the feds because one of their big sponsors was Marlboro cigarettes. <laughs> and there's a scene <laughs> where the General... Time. There's a scene, though. That's not what they got in trouble for. There's a scene, though, where General Zod throws Superman through a truck that has a Marlboro logo on the side. Well, yeah. it was illegal for trucks to advertise cigarettes. Oh, okay. So the feds were like, Hey, you can't do that. And I think, I think the Salkin said it's a damn superhero movie. Okay. It's yeah. a fantasy.
1: <laughs> they used the Joel Schumacher line from Batman. Yeah. Whatever the hell Batman movie he did.
0: And those other movies, I think they worked really well because he had, a lot of, he had a lot of good actors. I mean, Gene Hackman is so damn good as Lex Luthor, and he's yeah. a great actor. He was already established that bought into this. They're not making a cartoony superhero movie. They're making a movie. And with okay. all yeah. of the, the crap going on behind the scenes, like I don't even know if I said that. John Williams, the guy who scored the music quit. Yeah. Because <laughs> he couldn't work yeah. with these
1: people. So. That's crazy. That is crazy. That'd be
0: mine. I mean, I watched Man of Steel not long ago over a couple of days working out. I still think it's a good movie. I still enjoy it, but it's not as good as Superman. It's not as good as Superman, too.
1: So, all right. Yeah. (laughs) I, like I said, I haven't seen any of them. The only DC movies I watch are Batman. So maybe I need uh, to watch these. No,
0: those first two, they're really good. There. I do think that. All right, Ty. Well, if people need to find you to cast you as the next Superman, where are they going to find you?
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Please do. Um, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, Ty Kulik, T-Y-K-U-L-I-K, all lowercase. More importantly, come read my stuff on SeedSing. That's dot com. I do sports. I do pop culture. I've been writing a ton about basketball and about TV shows and movies I've seen. So check that out again on SeedSing, dot com. You can hear me on a few episodes of Chucklehead Chat, which is another podcast, a friend of mine uh, hosts. Check that out wherever you get podcasts. Most importantly... Listen to me on this podcast, the ex-millennial man podcast, rate, review us, tell your friends about us, have them rate and review us, check out our Patreon, support the podcast any way that you can. And as I like to say, always go get vaccinated. Seriously. I'm sick of hearing about Matisse Teibel and Jalen Brown and Al Horford and all these Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees players and not being vaccinated. So they can't go to Toronto and play games. Please just get vaccinated. It's the easiest thing in the world to do help support ukraine any way you can and as always black lives matter
0: yeah there's a big deal about them lifting the mask mandate on like airplanes and stuff and then and then uh, the the venerable new york times is like delta's wondering why they're having a staffing shortage right now i I think everybody's getting sick yeah i think (laughs) i could put two and two together with that so yeah we repeat all that Seedsing.com, the ex-millennial man and uh yeah, with all that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast. Remember, we're here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And, well, Ty, I, um, I'm still trying to think about next week, but I'm actually going to see you next weekend. So,
1: Hey, sweet. Yeah, we're all going to see each other big big deal in the Kulik household our parents are celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary yeah congrats one week early mom and dad yeah I
0: think I can only love myself for 50 years so they're, they're, <laughs> well, they
1: found a way to love each other yeah. and four kids <laughs> and all the grandkids yeah. and significant others for 50 years they're
0: the real supermen <laughs> that's right <laughs> all right time, we love talk to you mom and dad. <laughs> yes, I'll talk to you next time take it easy The X millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSaint.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.